people, and thank you for listening to No Chase Film Society, the podcast where we talk about film and the conversations that are inspired by them. Uh, I am your host that'll be with you for the next few minutes. My name is Chris Ali, and I'm glad to have you. Join with me, as usual, the producer extraordinaire, the man behind the board, the mastermind behind a lot of what we're doing right now, my mans, my partner in crime in this thing, Big Derek. What's good, man? What's going on with you, bro? How you feel? I'm good, man. I'm good. This is my day off, so I'm I'm hype. <laughs> hey, man, we, we talking about Dolomite today. <laughs> this is your first time viewing Dolomite. I'm 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 excited. I can't man, wait. Man. I can't wait. As y'all, as, <laughs> as y'all can see uh in the title, we uh the movie we're reviewing the re- reviewing today will be Dolomite, uh, as we said last week. And uh I can almost promise you, matter of fact, I'm gonna go ahead and promise you. There's no other film podcast anywhere where you're gonna find Uncle Buck. <laughs> And Dolomite <laughs> in the same timeline. I promise you that. Nah, I I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to put a lot of money down at if that. If you is... find the screenshot and send it to us, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll send you something real special on behalf of the No Chase Film Society. Yes, but sir. there's nowhere you're gonna find a conversation that involves Uncle Buck in one episode, and what we're talking about today with 1974's Dolomite. So uh, we're cultured, yeah. bro. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a little (laughs) little while, man. But as you know, as we do, uh, as part of our custom, we're going to spend the next few minutes just comparing notes and just having a little kick back for a minute and talk about some things that are on our mind and, you know, that we've seen in the film world and whatever else is in between. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, D, if you come across anything you want to bring to our attention. Anything good? Well... I I officially finished up Breaking Bad. Um, I finished that whole series in, what, two weeks? Um, so, like I said to you the other day, I'm, I'm preparing for El Camino. Um, bro, that movie, I mean, that show is, again, probably, I have to keep it in my top five of original television show concepts of all time um so i just finished that up um movies <laughs> well the last movie i saw was dolomite <laughs> yeah. yeah man um i can't get that out of my head well just hold it we're gonna get to that because i'm i'm gonna let, trust me i'm gonna let you give <laughs> your full <laughs> Your full review, just your full breakdown. I'm really curious on on your thoughts on that. But um, as far as that Breaking Brown, uh, excuse me, Breaking Bad, Breaking Brown is a website I read, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very good, too, if you're into black politics, which has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. But um, as far as Breaking Bad, my son is into that show real heavy. I know he likes the show. And I, I told you I'm I'm real bad when it comes to following TV shows. Yeah, I'm real bad yeah. with it. But I did try to watch a couple of them, 
And uh, I will say the ones I saw were, were, were pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a show that captures your attention. It does. It does. I, I will say if there is a show that, that I would recommend for you to check out, mm-hmm. um, that would be it. Um, so, so, and you said you've seen the entire season. Uh, the entire series. Um, this is my second time watching it because I, I watched it, I watched it when it was out. Um, I think it came out in '08. Um, so I followed it from the beginning. But mm. man, yeah, yeah. Um, it literally all five seasons build up to the climax of the of the, of the series finale, and mm-hmm. it's perfect. Like it's it's poetic. Um, I think that actually kind of fits into what you were saying, uh, talking about the last episode with um, Martin Scorsese's point of view with uh, Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that fo- that falls into place with that because it it literally it does everything that that he was talking about that that cinema is what it, you know what's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Jennifer Aniston, actually came out this week and said the exact same thing. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that. No. Yeah, she came out and said the exact same thing. The difference with her, though, is that she's actually tried to be in a Marvel or DC universe, and they mm-hmm. have never casted her for it. So to me, it sounds more like she's being, you know, spiteful. Uh, or and her. Sour grapes. Yeah, 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 yeah. She wouldn't be perfect. For, she wouldn't be good in this in any universe anyway. So. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, Breaking Bad does all those things, and I actually read um, read something, came across something yesterday that said that uh, Showtime, TNT, and HBO all rejected the initial pitch for Breaking Bad because it was mm. it was it was about a a a, a teacher, um, a chemist teacher, making crystal meth. So it was it was one of those things that was not popular. To, to but a, another out. little, another little, uh, I guess, uh, plot point in that is that he's dying of cancer. The teacher is actually dying of cancer, mm-hmm. and he's trying to sell uh, crystal meth to get enough of a, um, I guess, reserve, you know, monetary reserve, some leave some income for his family. Yeah, because because he's believing he's dying. Right. Because he is dying, I guess, of cancer. Right. Right. Which but, is which is noble. You know, right. it, it's it's when it, it it leads you to that question of well, what's right it, and wrong. Is it really noble? It's, it's funny you, you 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 said that because I was uh, watching maybe a month ago. I think I finally caught that movie White Boy Rick. Right? Ah, I just watched that too. You so you, so you saw that movie? Yes, yes. All right. So let me tell you the frustration I have with shit like that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. It is. This is just a reality. Uh-huh. Okay? This is just a, a flat reality. Whether we can talk, we can talk about the moral uh, aspects of this in another setting. But mm-hmm. the reality is, when you talk about the drug trade, mm-hmm. right, particularly in America, when you talk about the drug trade in Detroit, of all places, right, it ain't white boys that's got shit cornered and handling real business when it comes to the drug trade in Detroit. Most definitely. It, it, no, it's not white kids. Right. Um, anywhere, you know, for the most part in this country, you're not going to find 16, 17-year-old white boys who's the mastermind or the balls or whatever behind moving dope. 
Mm -hmm. But this movie, of course, will give you that narrative. Oh yeah. yeah. Even and, and it's and, and even with how they, uh, they almost made it seem like this kid was a victim, like like we were talking about with Breaking Bad, a victim of some type of home environment that you know caused him to fall. They created this whole beautiful narrative or. Uh, this whole, you know, soft narrative on why he was driven into the drug trade, mm -hmm. but you don't get those type of stories when it comes to black kids, right? Or, or which, re which really is pushing the drug trade, which really is the backbone behind the drug trade in this country. It's black boys, it's black young men, right? Um, not saying that we need more of those type of movies. Mm -hmm. Not saying that at all, but I am saying that when you have a movie that's Centered around a young man who's taking care of his family, selling dope. They make him a white boy. You know what well, I mean? Well, hold and, on. Yeah, this is actually based on a true story. Well, that's true too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I get that. But yeah. that's the, that's the, there's a, plenty of true stories where black kids, young black boys, have done similar, if not more, uh, in depth than what we find in this story. Not saying oh, it yeah. wasn't a decent, you know, decent movie. I kind of yeah. like, the movie. yeah, but. You'll never. I'm just saying the dynamic of what we got of Hollywood, what we get from the common uh, film uh, options that that are coming out of Hollywood, don't deal in showing the humanity of when black boys or when black kids get involved in illegal drugs. You mm -hmm. normally see the monster in us. You know, oh, yeah. you normally see the savage, criminal nature, so to speak, of of black kids when they when they do that. But they found a way in this one true story mm -hmm. <laughs> to uh, fiction, you know, and I don't know how much was fictionalized or, or not. I really don't know how much was fictionalized, but they they show, they have, they create a way to tell a much more sanitized presentation or a much more noble presentation of the drug trade mm -hmm. with a movie like White Boy Rick, uh, movies you don't see, you know, directed towards the ones who really are, <laughs> yeah, you know, in the mix of that, yeah, um, and I kind of relate that to what you just said with Breaking Bad that, you know, you get this noble uh, chemistry teacher who's dying of cancer and he's thinking about the well-being of his family. That drives him to become a damn meth kingpin. Mm -hmm. And from what I saw, uh, that's, I, I, I watched the show uh, in spots, you know what I mean? So I'm not really fully familiar with how the narrative plays out. Mm -hmm. But from what I saw, this dude turned into a real animal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> As real he, fast as, as he progressed real fast yeah, this shit and um yeah yeah so i guess the point i'm making is that it's it's just an interesting dynamic that you see the white guy you, you see this transgression of what actually led him into this type of shit mm -hmm. when you know these are that's on on the average it ain't white chemistry teachers who's ha, who have retirements and shit and families is <laughs> doing this it's black men yeah you know what i mean it's yeah. black men who end up getting pushed into that. And it's under very, very similar circumstances mm -hmm. that we saw with this uh, bad character. But is this never is this never presented in that packaging that we get with movies, what shows like Breaking Bad and movies like White Boy Rick. But anyway, yeah. that's my, my political no, my I, political trumpet today. I, but yeah, I would, ag Bad. I would agree with you on that. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, uh, White Boy Rick uh, actually had a podcast um, I heard the podcast before I watched the movie. Um, the actual, the actual white boy Rick had a podcast. 
No, oh no 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 it's a story yeah it's a story on uh oh, okay. it, so it it tells you you know the full it well let me say not the full but a more a fuller um um side of things and yeah he the movie was pretty much accurate based on based on what i heard with the with the podcast um of course they left some stuff out because of time constraint but Right. I so I, I got I understand when people have to do things for to to provide for their families. Um so the reason why I say it was noble um with, with Walter White and Breaking Bad, um is because this is a guy that knows chemistry, right? And he's trying to he goes to make a a more um a pure if you want to say a more pure uh, uh meth product than what was out there um and because he knows chemistry it just mm-hmm. it just it makes sense um so i guess for him he was kind of like they didn't really say this in the show too much but from what i gathered he he was justifying it um, doing it because he was making a, a a product that was that was more pure in nature because of his uh, knowledge of chemistry and balancing that between leaving enough money for his family for you know for his two kids to go through college and um, groceries expenses and all the all the bills and stuff like that he actually calculated how much it would be for a number of years. And was planning on just making enough to provide for that. Um, but you know how greed is, uh, so that that played a part in it. But I think I think the the I think the motivation in the beginning was was pure, which is the same as in other cases, white, black, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I just I thought. I thought that was very interesting to see. That dynamic was very interesting to see um, on that show. And I, but I, I, I am, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And I agree with it because we are demonized as black men uh, for doing something right. like that. So I, I would agree. Right. I would agree with that. It's, it's, right. it's, it's. Yeah, the dr- drug culture in white society is. Uh is vastly different than drug culture in minority or particularly black societies. And um, we see it now with this vaping shit. You know, you oh know, this is like, it's like 12 people has died, that have died as a result of vaping. Mm-hmm. None of them are black, at least not that I've seen reported. It's mm-hmm. not saying based on fact, but from what I've seen reported, I haven't seen anybody black that's, that's died because of this vaping epidemic. But notice how it has become an epidemic since 12 white people have died. Um, how long yeah. has crack been been contaminating the black community? How long has drugs and, you know, various drugs contaminated the black community, particularly crack, though, the cheap shit? Yeah. Um, you know, they don't... I've never heard or seen, I should say, a crack, quote-unquote, epidemic approach the way this this brand new opioid and now this vaping shit 
is be has become a national emergency. Mm -hmm. But when you have a drug that's predominantly abused by black people, it's criminalized, you know, mm -hmm. with, with, with us, with them, you know, it's, uh, it's all kind of laws and shit where you can't sell it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's just, it's just so much of a difference. It's just so vastly different. It is. How, it is. You know, approach it. White is pure. Black is evil. That's that's how society views it. Let me tell you something about that show too that kind of threw me off, man. Now that I think about it, Breaking Bad. Um, yeah, let me tell you. I ain't gonna say it threw me off, but there's this one scene uh, that, that that that's really that I found. I, mean, I laughed about it. I was watching it with my son, and it, it was it was a little odd. Um, it was probably one of the earlier episodes. I want to say it's like the first or second episode, hmm. and the brother-in-law, right, who ended up getting shot mm -hmm. and paralyzed and shit, um, he's like a, a, a police, a FBI agent or something. DEA. DEA agent, okay. Mm -hmm. So he rolls up to this, I guess it's supposed to be a drug house or a meth house or something, uh -huh. and <laughs> some guy jumps out of the window. He's a... He was laying with, with laid up with some girl, I believe. And yeah. He, he jumps out of the window. Now, the fucking, what you said, the DEA, right? Uh-huh. The ATF or whatever. The fucking federal, <laughs> federal <laughs> cops have come to a location, and you're able to just jump out of the fucking window <laughs> and run away. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that is the dumbest depiction of a raid I've ever seen. Well, he was actually next door to the house that they that they busted in. But still, though, when the I DA agree or the feds or anything come onto a scene like that, normally the whole goddamn perimeter is pretty it's shut down. Pretty shut down, yeah. especially to the point where you're not going to jump out of a window to, at the house very, right next door to where they're where they're in a raid. You could just jump out of the damn window, yeah, and leave the scene. <laughs> So yeah. that scene right there threw me out. It took me out of the show a little bit. It yeah, was... that that was the very first episode. Um, that was the very first one. Okay. Yeah, and and I I kind of fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of give them a break a little bit because one because it was a first it was a pilot episode, but uh, secondly, I don't think people truly think things through like that when they're uh, doing production, um, which is why you find holes in in different things whether you're watching a show or you're watching a movie um some people literally just do not think about things and that would have been that definitely would have been something you would think about is how the whole block would be would be shut down pretty much um yeah i'm looking at this like how the hell is he able just to just leave yeah yeah scene like that with the with the dea or whatever sitting outside so yeah yeah that was an odd scene but, yeah. Yeah, my son really likes the show. Um, I'm gonna watch the movie. I hope I don't have to depend on too much of the show. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to. <laughs> we'll see how it go. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to watch the movie, uh, the show. But I, I, I expect the movie to be good. Um, the the weird part about it is that I think the show ended. What like in 2012 or something like that. Okay. Um. And the events of the movie are supposed to follow the the last this the the Caesar uh, I'm sorry the series finale, and that's what's kind of throwing me off. I don't know how you do that, and everybody is pretty much aged like what eight eight years, 
Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how you do that, but I'm gonna watch it because I'm a big Breaking Bad fan. So I'm, a, I'm gonna check it out, um, and hopefully it's done well. All right. Well, I'm sure you'll be chopping that up with us. Oh yeah. Uh, as we move forward. Um. One thing I wanted to throw out there real quick, and uh, we talked a little bit about this off mic, mm. but um, I wanted to open up a conversation real quick on Tyler Perry and a lot of the news. I know you've heard the news as you know, pretty much everybody listening to us by now has heard the news um, that he's opened up his own, a new, a brand new studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in the Atlanta area, if anybody doesn't know, we're recording out of, out of Atlanta. And, um, you know, so he, and he's gotten a lot of attention, a lot of attention, man, for this brand new uh, studio he opened. And I was reading about it mm. in, uh, in The Hollywood Reporter. And I don't want to go too deep into it. Like I said, I'm pretty sure everybody, you know, knows all the, the stats that this is the first black man to own his studio outright. Um, without any white financial backing or banking, any white banks or nothing like that. You know, he's pretty mm-hmm. much the first black man to own a studio of this magnitude straight out on his own. Most definitely. Um, which is a little bit of a questionable fact because we got to go back to Oscar Michaud and mm-hmm. uh, the Lincoln the Lincoln Motion Picture Company, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mentioned Oscar Michaud on this on this podcast before um i'm very open that my favorite podcast is called the me show mission which is a, a podcast based out of uh philly i believe uh two brothers out of philly host an awesome podcast called the me show mission so i want to just you know just add that little caveat to to your all stats when y'all say that tyler is the first black man i mean that's maybe the first black man in modern history that's that's kind of or in contemporary studio history, we'll say it like that. But Oscar Michaud, who was a black man, mm-hmm. uh, an American black man, actually not only wrote, directed, produced, and even in many cases screened his own films. I believe it's like maybe like 40 feature films, many of which are lost right now, because we're talking about the early 1900s. Uh, well, mid 1900s, like 1919, 1920. Um, he actually owned his own company as well and was extremely independent, like one of the first independent filmmakers, black or white, that we had in this country. Just wanted to just reemphasize that, always going to show respect to Oscar Michaud. That's but definitely. I said all that to say that, um, that Tyler does deserve a lot of respect. I mean, tremendous respect for what he's done. And as we've heard that his studio, I believe they're saying that his studio is bigger than Warner, Warner Brothers, Disney, and one other major studio combined, mm-hmm. with room on his property for more studio space. Right. So, um, anyway, putting that out there, so we got a little bit of a backdrop. Uh, he brought the stars out. I mean, pretty much all of Black Hollywood, from Denzel to Spike Lee, uh, Patti LaBelle. Uh, I mean, just he pretty much brought all of Black Hollywood out. To celebrate this event with him, which was and, good uh, to see this moment. Oh yeah, it was real good, very beautiful to see all that black talent, man, coming in to support um, a black creative like Tyler Perry. Even though uh, I have my issues and my very very harsh criticism mm-hmm. for some of his uh, for some of his work as yeah. far as artist artistically, 
Um, I have a lot to say about that. But as far as an individual, as far as a businessman, as far as a black man, mm-hmm. um, I, I really like what he's done. And I wanted to point out actually two quotes. I don't want to go on this too long, but I want to point out a couple of quotes that really got my attention um, when I was reading this particular article in The Hollywood Reporter. The first quote that I came across was from Whoopi Goldberg, who, who was also here um, at the Tyler Perry Studio Gala and Celebration. And I want to also say this, too, before I get into her comment. When Whoopi was being interviewed um, when she during the red carpet uh, media time uh, at this particular Tyler Perry event, when Whoopi was being interviewed, right? Um, the interviewer asked her pretty much, you know, how does it feel to receive uh, such a great honor from Tyler Perry? Because um, in case anybody didn't know, on this particular studio lot, Tyler named uh, studios, different lots rather. Uh, and people have to look up what a studio lot is and all that. I know a lot of people, you know, aren't really deep into film terminology or movie terminology or whatever, but he named uh, different studio lots on this particular property after various celebrities, various people, influential people from uh, the film world, from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And Whoopi Goldberg was one of the people who was given a studio lot, who was given an honor, who was named, uh, was named it within this big honor. And the, the woman interviewing Whoopi uh, like I said, I asked her how she felt about it and asked her, you know, how she was taken in the moment. And Whoopi said that she really didn't feel like, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but she said she really didn't feel like it was her time to be honored. And she kind of resisted it a mm-hmm. little bit. And what the interviewer took to be maybe a humble joke, it seemed that she was serious because, you know, she told her, no, I'm serious. <laughs> when, she, <laughs> when, when, when she was talking, she uh, she said that, she wishes that he might have considered a few other people mm-hmm. uh, because her time is, you know, she feels is still uh, in transition. You know, she's still pretty active. And there are a lot of people who didn't get their right due or their proper acknowledgement. And mm-hmm. one of the people she mentioned that could have been honored, she said she sent a list of names in to Tyler's people that, that maybe they could consider. And she said one of the people she sent in that he should potentially honor or potentially give some energy to as far as acknowledging is Oscar Michaud. Right. So um, I just want to put that out there a little bit. But the quote that she said that really got my attention, this is what she said to The Hollywood Reporter. She said, why did it take so long? Goldberg wondered in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. Why was he the first to get it? Now he's the man who makes makes the decisions, chooses the movies, and he doesn't have to ask anybody for shit. There's nothing better than that. He's never on his knees. He gets what he needs because he provided it. I just want to put a focus on the question she asked. Mm-hmm. Why was he the first to get it? You know? Yeah. I think that's 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 a deep question, man, that, that has a lot of nuance to it that, that maybe we should look at. Because I believe what she's saying is it's something that I've been saying long as I can remember. Why do we have all this money coming through black talent in Hollywood? 
-hmm. have all these actors who are pulling in millions of dollars, man, mm -hmm. um, for years now have, have had access to all this capital. Why have we not taken a shrewd angle and opened up something on our own, started something on our own, um, created some type of distribution avenue on our own? There is no excuse for that. And here it is, you have Whoopi Goldberg, who's a Hollywood vet, you know what I mean, hasn't done much herself in that area, mm -hmm. but at least she is smart enough or perceptive enough to acknowledge it. That it, it took too long for this for there, for there to be a, for there to be a Tyler Perry Studios. It really did. We can celebrate it. I'm all mm -hmm. for it. You know what I mean? That does not take away from the fact that he has made a great accomplishment. But it took too long. And then you got somebody who's there. All due respect to Spike Lee. I, I love Spike. I've have been respecting Spike before I even knew what a movie was. Right. You know? But um, as I get older, as I develop some sense of maturity, <laughs> and <laughs> as I as I develop some sense of observation, mm -hmm. uh, Spike has taken a very comfortable role within Hollywood or he, within uh, black cinema. He has. That's that's not to criticize him. That's just an observation that he's taken a very comfortable position. Because if there's anybody that should have been in a position to have two studios by now. Mm -hmm. It would have been Spike Lee. Yeah, especially, especially what he what he's what he was doing in the eighties and nineties. Exactly. Most definitely. So I just find it very interesting that that Whoopi Goldberg would ask a question like that because that's a very valid question. Why did it take so long? And we need more. Tyler Perry cannot be the, the only, only one, one um, ambitious enough to create his own platform and create his own opportunities for well, other black talent. He can't be the only one. Well, I, to ask the question, why was he? Why is he the the one to start the first one? And why is it taking this long? It's mm. because we honestly cannot unite. Like this is the reason why I like I don't think a lot of things are going to happen for us as a black community, because we cannot get behind someone and and with the amount of money that comes through our through our community the spending power that we have the ability that we have to raise people up into those into those you know onto those levels um we don't do it we're not united like it, it's 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 annoying and yeah, Tyler Perry Facts. should not have been the first one. Facts. He really shouldn't. But but yeah, and I, I celebrate uh that that he that he's doing what he's doing. I didn't realize until yesterday that uh Black Panther was filmed on his on his studio. I thought they were filmed at uh, I thought that was filmed at Pinewood. Mm -hmm. Um I didn't know that either. So, yeah, no this is beautiful. I love it. But he, yeah, he should not have been the first one. It should have been Spike, or maybe even before Spike, to be honest. Um, but we, we, all we know how to do is tear each other down, whether that is just in the black community or outside of it. And Spike is guilty of that. And like I said, Spike I is wanna, definitely I, guilty I of that. I don't want to take shots at Spike. Yes. I, and if you continue to listen to this podcast, you'll hear me hear me sing Spike's praises at some point. I'm mm -hmm. sure. But. I gotta say, man, one, one particular instance I'll never forget. 
I'll never forget. And this is when I started looking at Spike sideways. Mm-hmm. I might have been like 17, 18 years old. He was on the Chris Rock show. That's back when Chris Rock had oh, a, man. I remember that. Had an HBO talk show or something like that. Yeah. And um, he was talking to Spike. And I don't know if you remember the, the director by name, D, but I know you know the film, mm-hmm. uh, Inkwell, the Inkwell. Yeah. All right? Yeah. The movie, the Inkwell, was directed by a black man from New York. He was another New Yorker right up there with Spike, and he might have been from Brooklyn. But um, the, the, the movie, the Inkwell, was directed by a black guy named Matty Rich. Mm-hmm. Matty Rich really only did two movies. His <laughs> debut... Which which was a, a Sundance hit called Straight Out of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, not one of my favorites, but you know that was his debut. He followed that with a second film, which was The Inkwell. Uh, Inkwell didn't do very well, but mm-hmm. one of the uh, I'll say one of the kicks that 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 Matty Rich was on mm-hmm. during that time when he was I guess you know the up and coming brash, you know hotshot filmmaker. He, you know, and he was doing interviews and, you know, he was starting to uh, circulate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, one of the things that he was saying was that he didn't have film school. He was kind of bragging almost, beating his chest a little bit mm-hmm. that he didn't go to film school and he didn't see the purpose in it. And people who actually went to college were kind of stupid. Like he was <laughs> he was oh, on, a, on a real kick uh, where he was a little bit anti-education. However, he did manage to produce his own film he did manage to get the work done i think he went to nyu uh for for a minute you know and then dropped out mm-hmm. well anyway spike was one of the ones who was very critical of Matty rich mm-hmm. very critical of Matty rich to the point where i believe that because of spike's public um opposition and the energy that spike put on Matty rich which, which was really cold water I think that cooled off his career a whole lot. That's just my perception. I think yeah. Spike was instrumental instead of helping to uh, elevate or you know bring some type of correction to an up and young coming film, young up and uh, up and coming young filmmaker. He got real real critical of the brother publicly, and yeah. it was just a bad look, you know. And Spike has been known to do shit like that, even when it came down to Tyler, to Perry, Tyler Perry years ago. You know mm-hmm. they. Had to patch that shit up. I'm glad they did. Brothers worked it out. Matter of fact, Spike also was honored uh, with a studio lot on the new Tyler Perry studio uh, compound. Mm. But you know, initially it took some 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 intervention to get them to a better place because Spike was hypercritical of, of Tyler Perry. Not saying that his criticism wasn't valid, but mm-hmm. my issue with Spike, and I'm gonna close this point for you to for you. But my issue with Spike, and really with anybody who criticizes, if your criticism outweighs the work and the the, the input and the uh, uh, mentorship, that if your criticism outweighs that, mm-hmm. then I have a problem with your criticism. Your criticism is, is baseless. If there's nothing you're doing to correct the problem. And, you know, you don't see Spike really doing much to bring on up-and-coming young filmmakers. You don't see him do much to really create any real space for up-and-coming young talent anymore, like actors and actresses. Yeah. He's pretty much that studio guy. Yeah. And that's disappointing. You know, that's disappointing. Yeah. I I, I am disappointed that, that Spike acted as if he was the end-all, be-all for black film. 
because it really stunted a lot of filmmakers. I I, I will I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. y- you can be critical of people. Like for example, to me, it, it's, it's being able to to use constructive criticism though. Like right. I respect Tyler Perry. I I respect the hell out of him. I I I've, I've said this over and over again. I respect Tyler Perry. I respect what he's been able to do for the community. I respect what what he was he's able he's been able to do for the film industry. Um I have nothing but love and respect for that. But at the same time, constructive criticism now. At the same time, you cannot ignore the 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 stereotypes and narratives that he has perpetuated in his films. I agree. You I cannot agree. ignore that. I agree. And and it's his re- now, just like 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 in in the comic books, like uh, Uncle Ben said to Spider Man, "With great power comes great responsibility." He now has a great responsibility to not only uh, uh, the film industry, but to the black community to tell all of our stories. Not, like we have different types of stories. We don't have just the the ignorant, loud mouth baby mama. We don't have just the the crackhead uncle like we we have more stories to be told and that's why i'm glad he killed off the medea character because and to me that was what maybe five to ten years late but i'm still glad he killed the character off because there's more to be done whether whether it's, it's him him doing it or him producing like whatever but there's more stories to be told like I, I, w- I was telling someone the other day, I think that the family that praised that movie that he did, mm-hmm. I thought that was that was the beginning of, of where he was going to go uh, with filmmaking because that was that was way out of the box of what he normally did, like like the Diary of a Mad Black Woman compared to to that, worlds apart, and I I praised that movie because it was something that was different. And and it showed black people, but it was it was a little you know different, different story, and 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 that's what I hope to see from Tyler Perry, moving forward. Right. Like like, we we can't continue to be, um, indulging in these stereotypical roles and movies all the time. Like like, there's a place for it. I'm not saying that there's not a place for it, but that can't be the only thing we're doing. I had a guy come to me and say, "Well, you don't hear." The Italians complaining about about uh, mafia movies, and so and he's like, I can't believe we're we're the type of people that always complain about this. I'm sorry, just because you're comfortable with a stereotype doesn't mean that I have to be comfortable with it. And, and that guy's not, he's not accurate. Uh, there not. have been plenty of Italians that expressed a lot of grievance against the way they were depicted in the media, right? Um, with the whole mafia mafioso culture, right? Um, yeah, so I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, that's, he doesn't yeah. either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not true at all. So yeah, I, I'm I'm just I'm not rocking with that, but I think moving forward Tyler Perry will do will do different types of, of movies. Like again, I like like I, I said the other, earlier, I thought Black Panther was filmed on Pinewood Studios a lot. I didn't realize that was his. And for that to be the first movie that was shot at at, at that uh, the, that location, Mhm. I'm happy for that. That that's beautiful. Um, 
I just want to see more. I, I definitely do. And I will say that his old uh, studio lot, he had uh, his um, his set his sets were named after people. The um, the studio sets were, were named after people as well. Because right. I think I went into the Sydney Portier one um, when I was when I was there. Um, so this is his, his studio is literally a monument to black filmmakers, oh, yeah. and I appreciate that. It's like a museum, almost, and and that that I appreciate. So right. it's it's is now it's now on him to tell different stories moving forward, and not just the same stereotypical ones. But I will always support Tyler Perry. I agree with you, um, and I, I yeah I echo that that I even though when you consider his filmography no I, I there are more films that I don't like than than I do oh most definitely um now that but, we agree with yeah but like you said and and I'll, I'll I'll echo that is that regardless to what he puts out regardless to what he does I have no problem supporting it and I would encourage other people to support it because he actually has tangible evidence mm-hmm. of what he's doing with the resources and uh, the fruits of his labor to benefit his people. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, he may have positions that we don't agree with. I know he has political positions possibly I don't agree with. And mm-hmm. he, he's taken other positions that, you know, I might have normally kept my distance from. But overall, um, I, I see that he's genuinely trying to give back. He's genuinely trying to put something back into the communities and to the people that's given to him. You right. gotta respect that. He's you know an that? he's an inspiration. He is. Yeah. One other quote I wanna I wanna throw at you that I found in this article, and um, then we can go on to to the film. But Will Smith also was there. And, oh yeah. And uh, he was given an honor, I believe, as well. I think pretty much everybody showed up. A lot of the major people that showed up were, were given a real special honor. And um, Will Smith has a quote in The Hollywood Reporter, which got my attention. It says, Will Smith gave words of inspiration to future actors on the guided studio tour. Bring great energy to the set every single day. It's moment to moment when people of power will make a decision whether or not they want you there. Show up on time, do great work, he said. Don't make it hard to make hits. Tyler went on a limb to make this happen. Now it's, excuse me, Tyler went on a limb to make this happen. Now hits have to come out of this studio. There's so much on the line. Many people have suffered for us to be standing here. He quipped, they don't need your ass showing up late with an attitude. Mm. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's some, it's so much he was saying that he didn't say. <laughs> I believe in that. Mm-hmm. Even with Whoopi Goldberg, like those two quotes really got my attention, man. Because I think personally that he's what he's really saying is stop is being a nigga. Don't be a nigga. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and if you're gonna show, if you're gonna, what is he saying on one level that, that I really thought about was that. Where is that quote? Uh, people of power. Something about people of power. Anyway, 
it's moment to moment. It's moment to moment mm-hmm. when people of power will make a decision whether or not they want you there. He's talking about white people. I oh, believe yeah. that under no certain terms. He's talking about white people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't and I, this is what I was this is what I was telling someone the other day. It doesn't matter yeah. how much money you have. It doesn't matter how rich you get, how 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 many cars you have, you will always still be a nigga to some white man. Right. So yeah, <laughs> we right. it's it is what it is. Do you think I'm, I'm gonna throw a, a little curveball on this? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that could be interpreted as uh, maybe low key shade on the whole Tyler Perry accomplishment? Because this is a conversation I had, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily know if I agree with it or not, but it, it is something I consider that by him making comments like this, because he said this to act is on the studio a lot. This is this is Will Smith talking to, from what this article says, he's talking to uh, actors doing a, a guided studio tour. And mm-hmm. he tells them, he's pretty much, you know, telling them to show their ass up on time. And, you know, but I don't think he was talking to white people in that tour. No, how, how could he? And what, is that appropriate? Was that an appropriate position to take at that time? Because I don't think Will would have said, this, this is a conversation I had. Mm. And the question was asked, you know, would Will have said that if he was at a white studio opening talking to white actors? No, he wouldn't. Right. No. We're notorious. Like, and I hate saying this because it's another stereotype. But we are notorious for being late and, and messing things up. I can't begin to tell you how many projects I've tried to work on with other black people where I'm there first. And we're both black, by the way. We're both black. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. First time listening. Hey, that, that'd be a shocker, right? Derek and I are both African-American. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I can't begin to tell you how many projects that I've worked on with black people where I've been, I like being wherever I am going. I like being there ahead of time. Um. It just, it's just, it's just better for my anxiety. You know, I'm making sure I'm there and people are, I'm waiting on people and they're not waiting on me, but I can't begin to tell you how many times I've shown up somewhere and either the person never showed up or the person was 30 to 45 minutes late. Um, but I, I honestly, I can't recall ever having that issue with white people. I, I like, I can't ever recall that. Um, not over and over and over and over again. That that not that type of way. Um, and that's not to say that I've I've only dealt with black people that that have been late. I've dealt with black people that that know, you know, that are just like me that are about work and will put that that grind in and 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 go to work. Like I'm more, I've worked with more people like that. Um, but we are notorious for doing that. And there's no way in hell he was talking to white people on that lot. There's no, there's no way. I don't believe it. We couldn't be. I don't believe he. I don't know how he was. I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about Tyler Perry who just opened up a studio, um, in Atlanta where it's, it's, there's a lot of black people trying to break into the film industry. You, I mean, for for, good, for goodness sake, you just had a woman 
by a sign outside of Tyler Perry's studio a few months ago trying to get a, a, an audition. And he went on right. social media and told her, hey, that's not how you do that. Right. That's not the right way. The auditions are free. You went out and spent your money to rent out a sign to get my attention. That's not how you do that. Right. You know, and and so, no, of course, the, the, he's talking to black people. There's no other way he was talking to anyone else. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting what this brother's accomplishment, the conversations that is, is sparking. Yeah. And, you know, the observations that our people are now expressing. When I talk about our people, I mean our black elite, our black celebrity class, entertainment mm-hmm. class, whatever you want to call them. The, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> the honesty that you're finding now um, from 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 them as a result of what Tyler did. It's refreshing, man. It is. It's refreshing. I got to say that. Um, I'm, uh, it's also a little frustrating because I'm like, you know, damn it. Now that you see it, now that you, especially Whoopi Goldberg. Like, okay, Whoopi, I can put that same energy on you. It's like, you know, you ain't no no lightweight Rudy Poop popcorn entertainer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've been major for decades. Yeah. You also could have put some weight behind giving us a little bit more institutional representation in Hollywood. You know, so when I hear you say stuff like that, I'm happy you're saying it. Like I say, it's refreshing, but it's also frustrating because it's like you knew this shit before Tyler had to go out here (laughs) and sleep in his fucking car and live in a Roman house and do these plays and shit. Like you, while he was doing all of that, you know, laying his foundation for what he has now, while you were winning your Oscars and, and selling out your box office movies and doing your... Uh, making your Broadway appearances, like why weren't you as well? You know, I can ask you the same question. Why? Why did it take so long? Yeah, you know, and that's what I would tell all of them that came and took Tyler's honor, man. Like, why did really? I mean, the question is, why haven't y'all collectively? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Correct. You know, like so many other classes of of white entertainers of different religious persuasions. I'm not gonna say it on here. Man, fuck it. There's no chase. Yeah. Like so many, like of the Jews, the Ju- the Jewish establishment, mm-hmm. um, they they're pretty much on the same page. And I know it's taboo to talk about Jews in entertainment. I know it's taboo, especially taboo, to say that Jews have control with entertainment. I get that. Yeah. But even if I just say, okay, Jews don't have control. Okay, we'll just say y'all don't have control. Y'all definitely have a sense of allegiance and a sense of uh, unity that does not exist in black Hollywood. Right. So now that we are so goddamn observant, as I see in reading the Hollywood Reporter, that Will Smith, you got good goddamn sense, man. You know, Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> y'all got pretty good sense, you know, pretty good levels of sense. You talk with a lot of understanding. Can we now create another Tyler Perry? Because with y'all, y'all can do it overnight. I mean, with Bro. the money and the resources and the, and the, and the, and the, just the accomplishment and all of whatever you want to call it, that, a lot of these black Hollywood giants, because Denzel was there. Denzel was in town. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like with all the with all this royalty, man. Take this brother's example, man. You can you can do exactly what he did because you have all the advantages that he had and more. Oh yeah. It's no excuse. It's no excuse. Exactly. Exactly. I I I, I said that with um, whether you want to talk about a basketball team or a football team, the same. It's the same thing. If people really wanted to get out and do something, they could just go create their own leagues instead of trying to fight and to get into the NBA or NFL. It's it's 
it's the same logic. It's the same logic. I, I'm I'm over trying to trying to fit in with someone else's uh ideas and their and their vision. You know what? We'll create it my own, man. Like that's that's right. exactly how I feel. I don't care. It's gonna it, it might take some time, but I'm gonna create it my own. Because I like Anytime that I've wanted to go do some stuff and 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 think outside the box, I'm limited because this person can't see it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So no, I, there's no way that 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 we can't do these things. Like Oprah, for example, she has a network. You know, there's no way that she couldn't have her own studio lot. Um. It's just it it, it baffles me how how. We limit ourselves. And then when we see other people do it, it's like, well, why, what, what, what are we not doing? Like, why can't we do more of this? You just, for some reason, you won't do it. Right. People just don't want to do the work. I don't, I don't understand that. I've never understood that. Right. Yeah, man. So it's a lot we got to get from this Tyler Perry example uh, as I wrap this up because uh, we've, We've already done an hour into the into the intro, which is cool. This is a podcast. You can, oh yeah, you know this is this is on demand listening. You don't have to listen to us talk shit. You can just rewind, pause, fast forward, do whatever. That's the beauty of the podcast. But um, yeah, still get the place. What um what I what I'll wrap this up by saying is, look, let's take his example. Let's look at what he did. Let's be inspired by it, man. And also, like you said, let's put in the work. And I say that to myself mm-hmm. as well as anybody else. Um, we got to learn to work together, man, pool our resources to some extent mm-hmm. and be more diligent with focusing on our own. If it's one thing I could say about Tyler Perry, and, and, and we're going to review some of his work as, mm-hmm. we, as we are on, on this project. But if there's one thing I can say about Tyler Perry, in spite of the horrible dialogue you find in his movies, in spite of the the the, the typical niggerized fried chicken, <laughs> you know, Holy Ghost filled stereotypes he perpetuates, you know, in spite of the homoerotic bullshit that you do obviously scream that scream at you through his his films, in spite of all of that. <laughs> As we will see in this Dolomite shit. I'm connecting this shit, dude. I'm telling you, man. Look, <laughs> that was in good. Spite of, in spite of all of that, man, just as we will see with Dolomite, Tyler Perry has the right to exist. Tyler Perry has a right to tell whatever narrative he wants to tell mm-hmm. in any fucked up capacity he wants to tell it in. Yep. He's earned that right. Most definitely. He's earned that right. And we have taken shit from white supremacy through films, Way more than way longer than that we've had Tyler Perry. Oh, we'll yeah. get over whatever Tyler Perry is telling us that's rubbing us wrong. We'll get over that shit. We'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. Support the brother, man. Look beyond that other shit. Support the brother and be inspired by what he's doing. That's what yeah. I walk with. So as we go into this, man, uh, we're going to begin our film review of Dolomite. Uh, we're going to drop a trailer for you, and we'll be right back. No Chase Film Society. Damn, look like my women is on time. Babe, I could show warm you up. No shit, baby. I can dig it. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Breathing down your neck. 
girl, this motherfucker's got rhythm. <laughs> I've got an all-girl army that knows what to do. They'll fox as hell and practice kung fu. I put my finger in the ground and turn the whole world around. You know, you're still the best man that I know in bed. I'm waiting for Dolomite. For who? Dolomite, motherfucker. And tell him I want him out of here in 24 hours. And 23 of them are already gone. God damn, mama, this show is a spooky joint. Yes, I'm Dolan. I'm the one that killed Monday and whooped Tuesday and put Wednesday in the hospital. Called up Thursday to tell Friday not to bury Saturday on Sunday. I'm the one that had the elephants roosting in trees and all the ants wearing BBD. From the first to the last, I give them the blast so fast that their life is passed before their ass has even hit the grass. See me uptown, downtown, crowned and renowned. Delayed, relayed, mislaid, and parlayed. Hatch, match, snatch, and scratch. Whack, jack, smack, crack, boot black, blackjack, racetrack, and flatjack, and still coming back. If you crave satisfaction, this is the place to find that action. Coming to this theater as this next attraction is the picture that will put you in traction. Dolomite, starring me, Rudy Ray Moore, as Dolomite. And that bad Durville Martin as Willie Green. Dolomite. Dolomite. Hi, Dolomite. 1975, I probably said it's 74 earlier in the show, my bad. 1975, Dolomite, crime, black exploitation. I hate that term. I'll explain later. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read a little bit of premise. One thing I'm going to try to do with this film review that I, that I didn't do with, uh, with Uncle Buck is I'm going to talk a little bit more about the production and a little bit more the, about the plot. So, you know, we're a work in progress. Oh, yeah, we're, we're growing. Yeah, we're a work in progress. So we're going to give this movie a little bit more, uh, a little bit more exegesis. <laughs> exegesis. That's something you don't hear all day. <laughs> uh, Dolomite is a 1975 American black exploitation film, and it's uh, named after a principal character played by the late, great Rudy Ray Moore. Um, I didn't realize this until I was doing a little bit of research on the movie that, uh, oh, my bad, this is live recording. There you get it. I didn't realize that uh, when we were doing, uh, when I was doing a little bit of research on the film that the director, I believe from what I'm hearing, uh, from what I'm pronouncing right, D. Yerville, D. Yerville Martin, D. apostrophe, U-R-V-I-L-L-E, Martin, uh, he's a black dude, and he actually uh, stars um, in the role of Green. What was his name? Willie Green. Willie Green in the movie. He directed yeah, he, this. He actually directed the damn movie. Yeah. Oh snap! I didn't know that. Yeah, D. D. Yervile Martin <laughs> was an American director, 
in both film and television. Yeah, and uh, this was his actually, I believe, his second uh, black exploitation effort. This was another black movie he directed right around this time. So, yeah, I came across that. But anyway, this That's is interesting. This is uh, your first time watching this movie, right? I think this is my third. Yes, this is my third for the podcast. So I'm gonna give you the floor, man, and let you give the people your first hand <laughs> impression of Dolomite. Was this your first black exploitation quote unquote movie though, real quick? I want to Uh yeah, I guess so. Um because okay. right. I can't right, remember so. watching anything else like that. Um man, I uh, honestly, um the premise of it, I thought it was really good. Um because I I'm it now makes me excited to see what they're gonna do with the Eddie Murphy uh, version. Um, man, <laughs> it. Let me say this. <laughs> I see the huge difference. <laughs> I see. I see a huge difference between. He's confounded by the, by the, the profound aesthetic of the, Dolomite. The niggatry. <laughs> wow i i see a huge difference between 1975 and 2019 that's off the off the rip but the you know what you know what really the first thing that really just annoyed me about this movie choreography oh man that's one of the things that just annoys you that that cho- that choreography for whether it was for for the fighting scenes, whatever they were doing with the sex scenes, because Jesus, that was trash. Um, <laughs> it looked like <laughs> when they they had the sex scene, um, they had um, I don't know the lady's name, but um, he was having uh, Dolomite was having sex with her, and they cut to they did this weird back and forth cut um and they they shot an angle of him where it looked like he was almost like beating her and like almost like really like trying to kill her that's what it looked like to me it didn't look like and, sex and i think he gave gave which to me i just gotta got, you're talking about the line to me which is the most explosive line in the whole fucking movie <laughs> i'm about to give you the fucking of your life of your life yeah. Me, yeah 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 I'm about to give you the fucking of your life after he slaps the shit out of her twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it, again, this movie makes me a little more excited about to see, you know, to see the contrast between this version and Eddie Murphy's. But my God, that was wild. Um, they didn't connect with any punch or any slap. <laughs> uh, the 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 um. The lip sync at, at the club, um, that lady that was singing, uh, Jesus, man, that was trash. But I will say this one thing about, about this movie. I started, because, you know, as an editor, I pay attention to time um, in terms of, like, how much time is spent on on this cut, going to that cut, and switching back between angles on the camera, right? I noticed just how long the attention span was back in those days versus mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. 
because when they um well when going back to the club scene um when they were doing the the when they came out the dolomite dancers came out they they did this wide shot and they sat on this wide shot for at least 15 seconds maybe even closer to 20 and then they cut to to a close-up um that actually blew me away because when when i when i edit i like to try to do five to eight seconds maybe a little less on one on one angle and i switch to another um depending on the project i might do a little longer than that but i try to stay within that range because that's where it looks like it like people are just like their attention spans are are shorter and shorter and that's the way you keep their attention by switching angles that is probably one that the biggest takeaway that that i got from this film um uh that was positive uh the uh again this is just back in that day you know where all the choreography was like that so i can't blame dolomite for bad choreography um but it was it was interesting let me just say that it was that was a very interesting film um Mm -hmm. in in general um i was kind of confused on certain parts of it uh because i i'm now this is something you might be able to help me out with um what what is dolomite's like title like i don't like is he just just a club owner or like what else does he do well, you see, you see what it is, brother. Dolomite <laughs> is a is a is a personality cocktail of pimp, kung fu master, and spoken word artist. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah that's yeah. how. Okay, so now, what that's called is Dolomite. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So that that makes sense. Um, I, my God, you know what? You know what? Uh, as bro, I don't really know if that's you know. <laughs> no, that, that's that. That would be my uh, approach to that. that okay. Yeah, he's get that he's a pimp. He, you uh-huh. know, he's obviously a pimp. Yes. He's a club owner, so he's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his, his the, the main, the three main uh, veins you see him really in throughout the movie is spoken word uh, with jive, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. I really don't know what that is because he's not a comedian. He, he's no. not like he's a stand-up comic. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, it's but they say jive, you know. Yeah. And as as people can probably pick up on now, you know, I, I was I'm an '80s baby, raised mm-hmm. in the '90s. Uh, Derek's a couple of years younger than me, so yeah. you know, we weren't this movie predates us. Yeah. But um, yeah, jive apparently a, a jive spoken word artist and a kung fu pimp. Yeah, I I um. So like, does he launder his his money? You're going way too deep, man. Like, there's the backstory. I was just those are things that I was thinking about, though. I, I couldn't help, but <laughs> I, I do I, I do know at some point in a sequel he goes to. There's uh, a sequel. Oh yeah, it's a couple of these, man. Oh yeah, Jesus. These. Yeah, we're gonna spare ourselves that for the moment. <laughs> and not in the future, right now, but they. <laughs> At some point, he goes to uh, Hong Kong, and I think he trains some people in Kung Fu, so he's pretty proficient in that shit. If you remember in the film, uh, all of her hoes, uh, Queen B, yeah. all of her hoes were 
Kung Fu Train. Yeah. Which yeah, Kung I like Fu that. Is, I actually yeah, I really Fu like that. It's real big to this to this guy's story. Yeah. Just to the story. Now the, the, the guy Willie Green, he's interesting to me. Um because I actually know <laughs> we have I have family friends that are twins and they're actually pastors um that look exactly like Willie Green. I'm talking about the mustache, the way they dress, the jewelry. <laughs> they look exactly like like him. So that's that's why I was they were who I was thinking about the entire time I was watching that. Right. Um man, I I I uh I'm interested. Like I said, I'm I'm just intrigued to see how this newer version is going to be. Um because in the day and age that we're in now, I don't think I'm not sure how a lot of that would would go in 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 today's society. Um so I'm in, I'm interested in in seeing how they do that cuz you've already heard Eddie Murphy kind of like apologize for his um stand up with raw and delirious uh which i still hate that he did that um yeah yeah but i'm wondering if that's you know along the lines of what's going to be is it going to be a little toned down or or you know are they going to really go out like like dolomite now if they do what was done in this film i'm 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 actually going to like that if they do it, because I think that if, if this movie had the choreography done a little bit better and stuff like that, I would have been more intrigued by it. Um, what threw me off was the was the bad choreography and the the uh, the uh, the crackhead that really didn't even look like a crackhead. He just looked like he was tired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the pastor was hilarious to me though. I like the pastor. The pastor was hilarious. I, I, I can't. Know <laughs> he is hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, all in all, it was it was it was cool. It was cool for what it was. Um, I don't think that I'd watch that again. But that was that was intriguing. Okay. Yeah. Um, you've definitely used some some adjectives in reference to Dolomite. I don't hear often or well, i haven't heard often intriguing and shit like that and interesting <laughs> but um no i'm not dissing dolomite i'm really not i'm not dissing dolomite and i'm gonna tell you why because with all of the shit that's wrong with dolomite <laughs> <laughs> and we can point out the shit wrong with it but yes i'm honestly gonna say as i as i kind of want to reference earlier with the tyler perry conversation that's easy to take shots at low hanging fruit. Yeah, it you know, is. It the is. low hanging fruit. That, that's that's simple. Yeah. You know, we can all point out the the horrible editing in Dolomite, which yes. is some of the worst goddamn editing I think I've ever seen is in this movie. Yeah. Right. Um, we can point out the horrible acting, the horrible script writing, horrible shot blocking, horrible special effects. I mean, come on, man. I mean, we. Yeah. The more the the the, the talk about what's wrong. With this movie is a is a pretty extensive conversation and really bro it's unnecessary yeah you know what i mean because yeah as i was watching this movie right 
I really asked myself, because now the first time I saw it, I was way too young to know what the fuck I was looking at. I think <laughs> this movie came on like TBS, maybe like back in the day when TBS used to show crazy shit like this. <laughs> TBS uh, in Atlanta, the Superstation, people who know, uh, know that time, man. TBS would show like uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem and just all kinds of black exploitation, right? As they call it, black exploitation. I told you I hate that term. Yeah. So I think I came across this movie during that time, and I didn't know what I was looking at. I'll never forget though the the scene, the first when I first saw the scene when he told the guard to take those cheap motherfuckers and wipe his ass with him when he took off the clothes. Now that was funny. You know, he took off the suit when he got out of jail, and you know he's got the hose outside waiting on him, and he's stripping butt, they stripping him naked, and he tells the white bitch he don't wear no cotton drawers, and, you know, like. You know, all that shit. And then when he took the, the cheap suit off that he the jail that the prison gave him and told the guard to wipe his ass with him, like, that scene stuck in my mind from that day on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That so, was funny. I, yeah. That was kind of cold, too. That that was... Yeah, you don't That was pimpish. Like that. that was really good. You know, <laughs> get shit like that. But um, saw it again at some point, maybe a couple years ago. And, of course, I watched it for the podcast. So this would be my third time watching this movie. And like you, I'm probably going to make this my last time watching it. But um, <laughs> I will say that this last time watching it, I did ask myself, is this supposed to be a comedy? Is he really trying to be serious? <coughs> I'm... You know, I couldn't, I couldn't really determine it. Yeah. Like, it's, particularly with that scene, the very, very one of the very first scenes, the second, like the second scene, when the warden calls him out of his cell mm -hmm. uh, because little Jimmy just got killed, and apparently little Jimmy, I don't know who the fuck he was, but he got the governor to, you know, create some type of uh, response by going to get Dolomite out of jail. Well, they said that was and, that was Dolomite's nephew. Oh, that was his nephew. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm okay. I missed that. I missed that. That little Jimmy was actually his nephew. Yeah. All right. Well, when he found out that little Jimmy was killed, you really saw, <laughs> at least in a you know an attempt to show you some emotion mm -hmm. from Dolomite. Like he was really, you know, hit by that. So I'm watching it like, okay, I'm wondering if Rudy Ray Moore and because you know this is pretty much his movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if he was really trying to convey something serious. Is this really an action film he wants to, you know, give a serious approach to, or is it meant to have a bit of a, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek approach to it? Yeah. And, you know, I really couldn't figure it out, but at the end of the day, I determined it didn't matter. You know what I mean? The film represented a black man who wanted to show a different perspective of black man on screen yes you know that was his objective he wanted to show a black man who wasn't uh scratching his head you know buck dancing skinning and grinning i mean you know say what you want about this movie right like mm -hmm. i i, I kind of wrote this down actually say what you want about this movie but you know it, it's two it's two elements to this movie mm -hmm. which are really radical man and you don't really see now in today's film yeah images and that one image is one one of those images is you got dolomite busting a gun at a white man 
yeah. and make him dance before he kills his ass. <laughs> like that 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 does not happen. Yeah. You don't read shit like that in Hollywood scripts today. Joking, serious, parody, uh farce, whatever the fuck you wanna call it. You don't find that shit. Not in, at all. In today's cinema. Not at all. And then on top of that, in addition to that, you had a revolutionary preacher in this movie. Yes. An armed revolutionary <laughs> preacher who was preaching about killing white folks from the Bible yeah. in a church. Dolomite put, or excuse me, Rudy Ray Moore put that shit on screen. Yeah. And quite frankly, I don't give a fuck how much horrible blood, horrible dialogue <laughs> that he had to, you know, utilize to to show that and to tell that, that means a lot. That does. That that was interpreted on screen. Yeah. Those two images alone are very, very profound. And um, I think that the reason why white society, well, the dominant society, you know, the mainstream Hollywood society, whatever you want to call it, will give you a dolomite is because of all the bullshit that you do get out of it. And like I said, um, there's some very questionable sex scenes in this damn movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all, horribly staged sex scenes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't even know what he was doing with her breast. It was. Yeah. The, what, what did he do when he cupped the white woman's titty? Do you remember that? When yeah. He kind of hid the titty and he did something it. to it. I don't yeah, think like, he. I don't think he actually kissed it. Like, God forbid you a black man kiss a white titty. Yeah, I don't think he actually kissed it. But. <laughs> I think he but, like kissed uh, his hand or something. And then the what you what, what we just mentioned earlier about the the, the sexual assault rape slash <laughs> orgasmic experience this woman had I don't know what the fuck that was I don't I don't even know if that was consensual or not I don't I don't you know like, I was like what is what is going on man like is this real is this <laughs> yeah like one of the worst edited sex scenes. I you know, as well. And then speaking of editing, you know, the, the, uh, and I'm actually trashing a parts of the movie, even after me saying that it don't <laughs> deserve to be trashed, but I, and so forgive my hypocrisy, but I will say that one thing that aggravated me about this movie as well was, um, the, 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 it's like, okay, he had, he obviously had some, some, some stunts doubles or some body doubles and yeah. a couple of things. Yeah. And they couldn't do karate either. They no. Like, no, so I, yeah. What's the purpose of a, of, a, of, a, of a body double that can't do what you do? Yeah. Doing the same, it's <laughs> giving the same lazy ass drunk kicks that you're giving. Like, yeah, you know, you're, you're paying someone else to be I mean, exactly some of what you things, are. It obviously wasn't him. Like, dude, we can see, you know, from across the room that that's not you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the scene where he, um, he shot those those two guys that busted in the room when he was with the crackhead. Yeah, yeah, like the dude, it was it was like a dude like I think two feet taller than him with a bad wig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what the hell is this? But yeah, man. But but you know, like I said, I will go back in in my ending in my dogging this film out in that capacity with the horrible production value. The movie deserved to be made. The movie needs to exist. We yes. need those like Yes. We need those like I can take it. I yes. can take it. You know what I mean? I do enjoy shitting on it, but <laughs> I can take it. You yeah. know, I, I feel like we should give this movie an opportunity. <laughs> um, 
it needs to be screened in schools. It needs to be, <laughs> it, it, this is required viewing. Because. Hey, can you imagine that? <laughs> at the very least, it makes a statement make the movie you want to make. Yes. Even if it's the movie, even, even if it's only the movie you can make. Yeah. Make, make the movie you want to make. It, it may not be shit. You yeah. know, it may be an abysmal disaster. But. Make the movie that you want to make, man. Make even, you know, even if the, if it's a movie you can't, if only if, if it's a movie you can make. Mm-hmm. Sense. Some movies are only made because they could be made. You know, this is all he could do. The yeah, best he could. That's, uh, that's what's in the budget. This is what you know. This is all I can work with. But make it anyway, man. Make it anyway, because you never know what image or what one message can come out of that. And to mm-hmm. me, the fact that. <laughs> That Rudy Ray Moore put a black man on screen that bust a gun at a white man made, and made him dance before he killed him, that means something. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it, it definitely meant something. That that's the reason why I didn't wanna um why I didn't wanna trash the movie either. Um one, because it's just a different time. We you know, we can't like you said, it is low hanging fruit to criticize the movie heavily right now. Um but yeah, you you'd never know who you can inspire by putting out something that you're able to do. Um, it was horribly done, but he did it, and and you're also talking about a time where where black men with white women also wasn't a, a thing and he made it a point in that movie to say because the cop stopped him and said um something about the the black women that he has working for him he said well you you're not mentioning the white ones right you know i i i, I there's a lot that's to be said about that um so yeah salute for, for that um but it's uh, rebellion it's, it's rebellion and see rebellion. I'm, I'm 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 rebellious so i i vibe with that I definitely vibe with that. Um, but nice. yeah. High brow rebellion? Absolutely not. It's, nah. By yeah. no means. It's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, high brow, but it, it, is, uh, it is an expression, man. Yes. You know? Yeah. If Will Ferrell can exist, yeah. then William Moore can exist. Yes. That's Most the way definitely. I see, Most you know? definitely. Um, and I, I, I kind of feel like that, because we were talking about earlier, you know, how to take the movie and, you know, just the, what he intended or the tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like Dolomite could be taken in the vein of a superhero type character. Yeah. No, I he think, definitely could. I, I think you have to suspend your, uh, your, what, what is it called? Ability or suspension of belief or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you have to suspend your, 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 uh, your sense of reality mm-hmm. by watching a movie like this. And it's not like we don't do it. I mean, think about the, the, the level of seriousness and devotion of a psychotic billionaire who dresses up in a bat costume and serves <laughs> vigilante justice. I mean, that's some pretty psycho shit. But, you know, it has been glamorized and embraced so much that, you know, it's really a serious character yes that, that people welcome into their consciousness and yes. suspend all reality for yeah dolomite deserves a little bit of that all i right? would agree with that dolomite deserves a little bit of that so anyway uh would you recommend this one man what would you would you would you, uh, you said you wouldn't go back and revisit it no i wouldn't I probably won't either <laughs> um 
I would, I would, how about this? I would recommend it for uh, film students. Mm. I would recommend it for film students because <clears throat> whether you're talking about the director or you're talking about the actors or you're talking about the editors, um, there is a little bit of something for everyone to glean on what to do and what not to do, how to do it, how not to do it. And this is one of those films that you get both of those from. You know, like this was done well, this was not done well. Um, like you said, the ability for a black man to go out and do something like that, um, to put that type of imagery out, especially during that time, it's phenomenal. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I, 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 would, I would recommend it for film students. Most definitely. Highly recommend it. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, I, I'll, I'll preface with this. This is a bad movie. It is. Right? <laughs> this, uh, Dolomite <laughs> is not a good movie, but it's a necessary movie. Yes. Um, this movie has historical significance. Consider the fact that even in America, you know, when it comes to the, the, cult, the, the government and how they... Uh, acknowledge culture, they from time to time pick movies that have historical and cultural relevance. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they don't judge it just based on how good it is or how entertaining it is. You know, there has to be a little bit more uh, to the film that, that resulted and the consequence of the film after it was released for them to preserve it with that mm -hmm. type of honor. You see what I'm saying? Right. I, right. I said all that to say that we need to look at Dolomite and films like Dolomite. There's a lot of black exploitation out there that's fucking yes. bad. <laughs> but we have to look at it for what it created, what it intended to create. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The environment that it came out of and the environment that existed when it was made, all those things need to be considered. You know what I mean? If you're really somebody that's into film culture and not just watching movies like Marvel motherfuckers do. Just go to movies <laughs> to, you know, eat and, and you know, whatever. <laughs> My bad, my bad. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah. I recommend it though. I said I said have to say I do recommend it if you are a film lover, and I recommend it if you're a, a halfway uh, dedicated film lover. If you just want to see something that's entertaining and laugh at something as uh, that's, that's atrocious and uh, outstandingly bad, if you're that type of film lover, then check this one out too. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, you can write a whole I, think piece on this one. I recommend Dolomite, man. It's a it's a necessary movie. It's a yes, necessary movie. It is. All right. So, uh, wrapping this up, man. Uh, thank you all for rocking with us during this time. Next week, uh, it's on you right there. Yeah. Um, well. Next week, what are we talking <clears throat> about, man? The next, gotta, the next uh, film we're going to be uh, watching is The King of Comedy. Uh, with uh, Robert Scorsese? De Niro, Scorsese? was that that's Scorsese? Jesus? Yeah, yeah. I can't even talk right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, uh, Dolomite also uh, a film coming out. To those who don't know, Netflix has a movie coming out that Derek referenced. My name is Dolomite. Uh, Eddie Murphy and a lot of other black talent. Man, I'm looking forward to this movie. That's really the reason why I even put Dolomite up for review this yeah. week. I'm it glad is, you uh, did. 
Yeah, because of, of anticipation of that film. And look for us because we're going to drop a, a pod, especially for that movie, as soon as it comes out. Yes. Um, my name is Dolomite. I'm waiting for that one. But, oh, yeah, King of Comedy, which is another movie um, that's on the way, which a powerhouse actor in uh, Robert De Niro. That's starring Robert De Niro, man. That's a good one. That's yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's, that's uh, also getting a lot of conversation along with this new Joker movie coming out. Oh, Man. it's already come out. It's already out now. It's already out. Um, yeah. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go see it tomorrow. Either tomorrow or, or over the weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna catch it over the weekend too. So I guess we'll be talking about that when y'all hear us. Yeah. Next time. But yeah. All right. So next week, uh, episode three, we're headed to right. Yeah. King of Comedy. Uh, starring Robert De Niro, directed by Martin Scorsese. That's a good one, man. I look forward to that one. I actually yeah. own it. Oh, you do? Yeah, that's yeah. I got that. Yeah, I'm All gonna... right, man. Well, we'll do it again. Yes, sir. Great conversation, man. All right, well, No Chase Film Society. This is us. We'll be back next week. Chris Ali. That's my man, Derek. And, uh, yeah, we done with it, man. Peace.